Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Welcome to Practice Sunday. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, got some of my good friends up here. I really love these people. Um, this Sunday we're talking about uh, serving. As we do on, on Praxis, kind of take a, a stock of where we're at. Um, and so we're talking about serving in, in community groups. And, and with this panel, we'll talk about serving, um, different experiences in serving, what it's um, done for us personally, and kind of the stories that, that have come out of that, how it's kind of impacted us. Um, yeah, so we'll do uh, introductions, and then we'll go into some questions. So, name, where you serve, why you started serving. I'll, uh, I'll go first. Um, so I'm Daniel. I'm, uh, Hi, Daniel. thanks, <laughs> Ryan. Hello, y'all. Um, I love this because it does feel like family. Uh, so I'm on staff here. Um, I serve with us in our, our tech team um, in the a producer role, um, kind of overseeing the whole, the whole service uh, with Stacey. Um, and why I started serving uh, was, oh man, I was in high school. Why did I even start? No, it wasn't here. It, 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 well, no, because I was there before Kaylee was. Kaylee maybe started serving because of me. Um, no, I started in the tech team, um, and then in a couple of years started producing our youth group uh, every Wednesday night. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time at the church, did a, an internship program through uh, my old church where um, I was the head of the tech team for the internship. Um, yeah, so I spent a, a lot of time in church and mostly um, in the tech booth. That's me. Jesse. Hi, guys. I'm Jesse Preeze, if you don't know me. Hello. Um, so I also currently serve on the tech team um, doing lights. And I've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, prior to that, I also served on the operations team uh, when we were at the ballroom and SAC and a little bit when we moved into this space. Um, I originally got involved as a way to just plug in and, and meet people and kind of find some community there. Um, lighting actually just kind of fell into it. Um, I did some lighting in college and then uh, there was a need and I kind of joined the lighting team and the rest is history, so it's been fun. Hi, I'm Jason. Hi, Jason. How y'all doing? Good? <laughs> All right. Um, I basically work um, or serve in the tech booth doing lighting, and then I also uh, do some ops work as well. So, yeah, um, basically I started serving um, just because it's an act of worship, you know? Um, I was just searching for something deeper in the community, and I just felt like um, serving just connected me to the spirit of this family. Hi, my name is Stacy Fletcher. Hi, Stacy Fletcher. And uh, I lead the tech team and I serve as a producer. Um, and so I started 
I got involved in tech back in college, uh, basically because the person who was helping me uh, begin to find my faith was trying to convince me not to go party on Thursday nights, and so she was like, hey, come, we really need somebody to do this. So I did the little overhead projectors, just dated myself there. So, you know, during worship, you had to move it up so that the top line was the line everybody was singing, move it back down. So that's how I got involved in tech. It was a very technical. Yes. Um, and uh, when I came to City Beautiful, I actually was here for quite a long time before I got involved, just because of where I was at in life. And uh, I had a hard time getting to know people. And I went to social events and just felt like I couldn't really kind of find my community here. And so I knew from experience that the best way to do that was to serve. And so I finally gave in and got involved and started serving on the tech team and have definitely found my people there. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, so we're going to the first question I'll ask you, Jason. Um, yeah, how has God uh, impacted your life through serving in the church? Um, I think he's impacted my life um, by s me serving here, that um, not everything goes right here. I mean, sometimes stuff goes wrong, and um, he teaches me about peace and serenity in those situations, and um, it just really teaches me about life and illustrates how God works in my life, um, just because um, I struggle with life and dealing with life in general. Um, so how he's been teaching me is, is through the serving process here, and I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, I love that. Me too. Um, Jesse, moving out of that, what are some of the hard things in serving? And then in the midst of those hard things, um, like Jason said, why do you keep showing up? The hard stuff, the stuff that nobody wants to talk about, but it's always there. Um, I think the reality of serving is that, you know, it's a time commitment, and um, we're all volunteers. We all have our lives, our jobs, our families, our friends, and other commitments that we're involved in, and, and so sometimes it's hard to, to take the time and to make the time to, to show up and be here, but amidst, um, you know, the time that it takes, it's, it's worth it. It's every bit of time that we spend serving is so worth it, and then that's why I continue to, to show up, even amidst, you know, life and craziness and stuff going on, and um, yeah, it's rewarding, and, and we get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than just the task that we do on a Sunday. Stacy, I have something to speak to that. Do you have something to speak to that? I mumble. Kaylee says I mumble. I definitely mumble. You do. So sometimes you mumble. Sometimes we mumble in our meetings, too. I don't too. mumble. What? Um, what was the question? Why do we keep showing up in the hard times? Yeah. I think for me, it's because of, of what God uh, is doing in me. I feel like through a lot of the craziness that can happen on a um, Sunday as we are back in the booth doing um, tech, God's been working through me, and he's been helping me. A little bit of what you were saying, like just helping me learn how to deal with the craziness in a more gracious way, um, how to not let it affect my worth and my value um, if things don't go well. And I feel like it's mostly about how um, I keep coming even though it's hard because I know 
that God is using it to uh, refine me and to form me into more of who he wants me to be. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of my, my story as well, that uh, showing up again and again in the tech booth, um, it, yeah, it created um, such a sense of, uh, of friendship. And I think it, it's that, it makes it that deeper level because you are going through hard things. Like, I, I think it's so true that you can learn so much more about someone when you're going through you know, something with them, when you're doing a task with them. Um, and that really has been uh, so much of, of my story in, in this church and um, in the church I served at previously. Yeah, I think that's definitely me too. Like the relationships I've made, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to go. I'm tired. It was a long week. But it's like, well, I'm not going to leave Jesse there alone this week. <laughs> you know, and like it, the relationships make it worth it too. Yeah, I love that. Um, speaking of relationships, Jason, um, how do you feel like the camaraderie of of serving in a place like the tech team has impacted you? Um, it's it's super sweet, you know, um, because uh, no matter what we're doing, um, even if it's too busy to like n- not say much more than a hi, how you doing? Um, it's like a family, you know, like um, when you're with your family, you don't have to say a word. The love just permeates there and you feel safe and secure there, and it makes everything um, so much more peaceful, you know, even in hard situations. And then when it's really happy and you have time to talk and there's time, it's even that much more better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, something that I think we, uh, we love to talk about um, in serving to create a context for, uh, for people in our teams is that what you're doing is more uh, than a task, like Jesse said, um, that you're actually facilitating in, in a movement of the spirit, that you're actually building the kingdom. Um, I love the example uh, that they give in the engagement um, in the cafe, because it really is like, we're trying to make heaven uh, on earth in that cafe, make it um, a place that's welcome, that, um, yeah, that we can just be kind of the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, Jesse, how do you see your role um, as more than just uh, a fader, you know, a button you're clicking. Yeah, so like Daniel said, sometimes it's, and you know, it's very easy to get wrapped up in what's my task, what do I need to accomplish, what button do I need to press at this time, all of that stuff, but, but it is so much more than that, and it actually, I get really excited when I think about it, because um, we, we get to contribute to the space that we all get to experience God in every Sunday, um, whether it's through worship, whether it's through an experience, um, we get to come alongside the other teams uh, serving like operations and worship and greenhouse. Like we all get to work together on a Sunday to create the experience that we get to experience the Lord in. And it's just, it's incredible. And that's kind of how I see our tasks helping to build the kingdom. And I know for me, for me personally, um, I experience God the most through musical worship. And so lighting being a part of facilitating that experience, it's just, it's really incredible to be able to, to be a part of that, um, something that's given so much to me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Stacey, um, do you have anything to say as it re- yeah, relates to kind of the tech team being this, this thing that's like always on the front of your mind, but um, that impacts you know, is so much greater? Yeah, I, um, I remember, gosh, years ago, I was at uh, Cirque du Soleil, and it's just one of my very favorite things in the whole world. Um, 
it moves me so deeply. And I remember being there and just, I had done a lot of producing for conferences and even conferences for spiritual content, but I just remember thinking, I wanna be a part of creating things like this for people to worship God. And I mean, we're not at Cirque du Soleil level around here. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but I love that I get to be a part of creating experiences, creating moments, creating times, um, and then being a part of those times um, uh, for people to worship God. I actually feel like I worship God the best, not necessarily through actually being up here, but when I'm back there and I'm helping um, do it is when I feel the most connected to the Lord and just really feel his presence. And so, yeah, um, I think it definitely, it's so much more than a task. Yeah, I love that. I think, yeah, I've learned a lot um, about kind of putting your hands to something and the, that the Father does care about kind of the things that we care about and he does care about the work that we do. Um, and so I do love that uh, we're on a team where we can make we can make things we can make things happen make it look like um yeah more like heaven um any closing thoughts y'all jesse jason uh yeah um i like being able to serve with people um and being able to see their heart you know um that like if we can't make it for some reason, you know, all we have to do is send a message in Slack and somebody's probably jumping out over another person to say, oh, I'll do it, you know? And, and it's, it's so awesome to um, see how people like, cause while you're in the back, you know, we're singing songs and worship and you see somebody worshiping right next to you and you're just like, wow, this is so cool, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> just sad to say that. <laughs> Yeah, and adding on to what Jason's saying, like, the people it, and, you know, the relationships that, that we've created as a team has just been um, really rewarding over the past few years, watching our team grow and, um, you know, just even when I'm not here serving on a Sunday, being able to walk in and, like, pop my head in the booth and be like, hey, how's your week? How's it going? Um, is everything okay? And then, like, we're able to work as a team to, like, solve any issues. Um, yeah, it's been super great, and I'm sure it's like that on the other teams, too. Um, within our church, so, yeah. Yeah, for engagement, it's how much of the coffee has overflowed. <laughs> <laughs> then we can all mix it up together. Um, I think for me, too, it's been just a reminder that it's something that takes a lot of time. Not just time to actually serve, but time over. Like, I remember when we were first working really hard to build the tech team, it was like, hey, Jason, how are you? And, you know, and when we're here, we're working on stuff. And so it wasn't like we sat down and had a heart-to-heart -heart with each single person from the beginning. Like, we've developed our relationships because we've shown up week in, week out for actually years at this point together and through that have really developed these relationships that like I don't think we would have ever had like Jason and I don't have tons in common I don't know that we would have ever become friends but we have because we sit next to each other back in the booth and we have for a couple of years and so over that time we develop it but it doesn't necessarily always happen quickly like I know sometimes we get involved in something like serving because we want we want to make friends and we want to become part of a community and we want to belong to something but then in a month or so it's like oh that hasn't really worked i'm gonna find something else but usually it takes longer than that and i'm 
so grateful that so many of, um, of you guys have been willing to put in that time, even when it's hard. Yeah, I was going to speak to that as well. Just the longevity of, of being able to serve alongside people is, um, it is really crazy. Like Stacey and I have been serving for now three years together. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it is that, that working alongside of each other, but it's also just the, like the commitment to see something through, um, which doesn't always happen. I mean, people, we, we leave jobs um, so often, you know, we, we move, um, we don't get to, you know, see longevity with our neighbors. And so I think that it, because the church is one of those places where, like, it, you know, we're not going anywhere, um, there's this cool, uh, yeah, sense of commitment where we can, we can say, yes, I'm, I'm choosing into this team. I'm, I'm choosing into these people um, to make, you know, this church, to make the kingdom of God look like uh, has something better. So I want to give you all a chance to, to talk about this. I know everyone has, um, you know, their serving experiences in church or um, an experience they know of that has impacted their view of what it looks like to, to be a part of a, a team on a church. Um, yeah, so I get, I'll give you all this question um, that you can just discuss in two or three people. What has been your experience like serving in the church, and what have you seen uh, in others serving the church? All right, well, welcome everyone uh, to Praxis Sunday. Uh, where we're talking specifically today about uh, serving. But before we do, um, just a little kind of update. Uh, this week, our team from Peru uh, got back uh, at the beginning of this week. A um, couple people are here. Christy's over here. Kristen Bader, Lynn, uh, Jason. Is that everyone that's here? There's a, everybody else, I think, was this morning. Um, just briefly, you're going to hear more uh, over the coming weeks about the trip, but um, you should be very proud of them. They represented you very well. Um, you know, one of the things that the pastor at that church down there has said to me before is, you know, a lot of times when uh, they receive groups or individuals that come down, um, people never tend to cross over, which means they, they become so um, enamored with all of the differences, all of the cultural differences, different language, different food, uh, different little nuances, um, that you can kind of get stuck there, and you never really cross over and engage with people. And he said, so often the groups, hi guys, so, I'm so sorry, you've been in Southeast Asia for like six months. Dustin and Yuli, everyone, give them a round of applause. Um, that's great. Nice beard. Um, anyway, what was I saying? Okay, yes, Peru. Um, he said, you know, every time that people come down from City Beautiful, they, they cross over. You know, they spend that time, we see that things are different, culture, language, this, that, and the other, but they always choose into people and investing in people. And I think that that's such a beautiful reflection of what the Lord's doing in our community, that we're able to send representatives from our family halfway around the world, and they still have that authentic presence and that chooses to be with people and to advocate for them. And so you should be very proud of them. Feel free to go and ask them all sorts of questions about their experiences. And like I said, we'll have more uh, to, sh to share with you over the coming weeks. Um, so I'm going to pray, and we're just going to dive in with what the Lord has for us tonight. Um, so Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Lord, there are so many amazing stories here tonight of uh, people who have encountered your love in really, really specific and tender ways, sensitive ways, ways that are just seem custom-tailored to each of us. And I just thank you, Lord, because we need those stories. We need the, 
experiences we've all had with you to kind of build this fuller picture of what you're really like and what it means to be a part of your kingdom. And so, Heavenly Father, as we're digging deeper into this idea of service tonight, I pray that you would speak to each one of us in our lives, that this wouldn't be uh, another one, you know, one-size-fits-all experience, but that you would be speaking to each one of us about how you've crafted us um, and who we are and, and the gifts that you've given us and the position that you have given us within this community, within our families, within our friend groups, whatever it might be. Um, and that we can walk away rejoicing at the, the sensitive and the tender and the specific love that you not only have for us, but that you want to demonstrate through us. So may the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about serving, specifically this idea of serving as worship. Um, and I wanted to point out right at the front, um, we use this program called Slack. It's kind of a task management community organization thing, and people sign up, and that's where we do a lot of our communicating during the week and uploading photos and videos and giving each other to-do lists and checking in on one another. Um, and I was looking at it this week as I was preparing the message, and we have 140 people on our account. Now, if you just look around this room for a second, surprise, surprise, there's not 140 people in this room, okay? Um, and, you know, obviously we have two gatherings every Sunday. Um, I think that is very atypical, and I think that is very wonderful, uh, because it means that we're on the right track. You know, one of the prophecies that was spoken over our community at the beginning is that it would be the work of the many and not the few that would really see this happen. And I think it's very easy to create a church culture where there's just a very succinct group of quote-unquote professionals who are paid to do the thing, and the expectation for you is that you just come and you consume content just like any other part of your life. But, you know, we've made a concerted effort to not be that kind of community. We believe that we're family, and family means that we choose into one another, we invest in each other, we offer freely of our gifts and our time and our resources. And so when we're talking uh, today about serving, I want you to think of this less as an indictment that we need to do better and, oh my goodness, the thing's falling apart, and more of an encouragement that the Lord's already doing so much within us, and we get to celebrate that, um, and we get to choose into more to really see what are the limits um, to serving in God's kingdom. So over this past season, we've been in this series where we've been looking at the parables of Jesus, kind of allowing those uh, to speak to us of what it means for Jesus to be Lord and how we enter the kingdom. And so I thought kind of in that theme, my, my main text for this evening would be one of Jesus's parables that we didn't get to look at yet. So if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 21, and we'll also have it up here, but we're kind of seeing yet again another example of where Jesus is engaging with the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of the day. And what, what I found so amazing through the series was realizing most of Jesus' parables are not necessarily for the non-believers or the new believers. They're actually for the quote-unquote religious people, the people that show up every Sunday, the people that are sitting there in church. They know their Bible verses. They can do the sword drill. You know, like they're always up on the latest worship albums, whatever it might be. Like those are the people that Jesus is speaking to in these parables. Uh, because the Pharisees were those kinds of people. They were very self-reassured. We could even say self-righteous, that they're already on the in of what God's doing. And so Jesus is speaking this parable to challenge their assumptions of how they're choosing to operate as part of God's family. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we're reading this parable. So Jesus says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. 
He went to the first and said, Son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? And I love this because Jesus always does that with these guys. They don't, maybe they don't understand metaphor very well. And so like, well, yeah, of course. And so they say, You're the first, they answered. And then he springs the trap. You know, you ever had that with moment of Jesus? You're just talking to him. You're kind of going about your life. And he's like, oh, oh, yes, it's me. It hurts so good. So Jesus said, <laughs> it should hurt good. Um, so Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John, you know, his cousin, John the Baptist, came to you to show you the way to righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. And that's what we see so often in the parables of Jesus. It's an invitation to repent to change the way that you've been thinking about things and the invitation to come back home, come back to the way that God has designed you, come back to his family, come back to his purposes and realize that what God has in store for you in his household is, this, is the, the answer to true identity of really discovering who you are and what you've been called to do. And I love that in this parable especially, this idea of repentance, Jesus makes a parallel between this idea of entering into the kingdom and doing the work when you get there. Because that's what the father is challenging the sons to. Go out and do the work. And one of them says that he's going to do the work, and then he doesn't. And the other initially says, well, I'm not going to do the work, but he changes his mind. He repents, and he's obedient to the father. And I love that those two things are connected because we can talk about entering the kingdom of God as something that we receive, and that's very true. But there's also part of us entering the kingdom of God that comes when we give, when we offer ourselves, when we are obedient to God and we choose to do the work. And so when we're thinking about this idea of serving as worship, I think this is what's so key in this parable and what I want us to really experience this evening, that Jesus cares about what we do with our time and energy because serving is an act of worshiping with our hands. That's what he's challenging the Pharisees on. They were very content. They thought they had the right answers. They go to church enough. They do everything just according to the book. And Jesus is challenging them. Are you actually living this out? Not just by the letter of the law, but the real heart the heart of God? Are you demonstrating that in how you choose to spend your time and your energy? Because that's really going to speak to a lifestyle of worship. And I think it's unfortunate that so often we relegate worship as only being musical worship. That's the only time we think of worship, and there's, that's dangerous for two things. Number one, it turns musical worship into a fetish, which essentially means that we kind of obsess about it, and we're focused on it, and all of our energy when we're quote-unquote worshiping is about singing whether it's coming here on a Sunday and, and, and singing together or you're listening to a worship album in your car, whatever it is, that's your time for worship. And then the second problem is that there's all of these other bits of your life that have nothing to do with that bit. So when we only think that worship is about music, we miss out. We, we make music something that it was never intended to be, and we actually cheapen every other part of our lives. But what Jesus is challenging us to is to recognize that everything in our life is worship. Everything in our life is worship. 
Because if it's something that requires of us our time and our energy, if it's something that we're devoted to, there's a motivator behind that of why we're doing what we're doing. And it takes that repentance, that changing of our perspective to recognize that every moment of every day is an opportunity for us to worship. Are they actually doing it? That's Jesus' question to the Pharisees. Are you actually treating every moment as a moment and an opportunity for worship? And so serving helps us to take what we believe in our hearts and see it demonstrated in our actions. And I think this is really the power of what I've come to understand as the Christian journey. Of the, there's these things that we believe in our heart about what God is really like demonstrated in Jesus, about who we are because of the love of God, and about what we're called to do, how we're called to walk the world, right? There's all of these things that we sit and we read and we, and we hear in sermons or we pray over ourselves, all of these beliefs that we hold deep within our hearts. But service becomes this opportunity to kind of work it out in our actions. You know, Paul says at one point in his letter to the Philippians, work out your salvation. And I love that because I think he means, like, take what's true deep within you and make it true on the outside. Make it true with how you act. Make it true with how you spend your time. Make it true with what you say yes to and what you say no to. And over time in the Christian journey, what we're really doing is beginning to connect the dots between what we say we believe and how that actually affects the way that we live our lives. How many of you, you have met those, those OG Christians? They've been doing it for 60 or 70 years, and they just walk into the room, poof, and it's like the atmosphere changes, you know? and you encounter them. There's this guy, uh, he's this, this old Canadian guy that was, kind of, was a friend of our community um, up in Nashville, and he had this big, long beard and big, long white hair, and I'm like, if God looks like anything, it's probably like this guy, you know, and he'd always come in, and he'd just come up, and he'd grasp me by the face, and he'd just go, how are you, brother? Jesus loves you so much, and you're like, I, I know it's true. <laughs> Because it's those qualities that you see in someone that's been walking the journey for a long time, and you don't question whether it's good or not. You just wish there were more people like that in the world. But that's what the Christian journey is about, is taking what we say we believe and seeing how we live our lives and gradually allowing those two things to be connected day by day, practice by practice. I think this is really, this is what we mean when we talk about becoming more Christ-like. That if that's the trajectory of our lives, if that's our desire, then we allow Jesus to shine the light of the Holy Spirit on the material reality of our lives, on how we think, on how we feel, and how we act, and begin to do that work of transforming us so day by day we start to look a little bit more like Him than we did the day before. We begin to think more like Jesus. We begin to feel more like Jesus, and we begin to act more like Him. And a lot of times I think we're, we're looking, we're waiting for this moment, kind of when the clouds will part and the hand of God will come out of the sky and he'll spell something in smoke that only we can see. And we've had this amazing revelation from God and all of a sudden it's changed everything else in our lives. And we do know that that happens because we see it time and again in scripture. And I know some of your stories are, are that. Like you had this moment and it was like, boom, that's God. And it dramatically shifted you. But I think nine times out of ten, it's when you choose to be obedient, you'll see revelation, okay? Nine times out of ten, it's obedience to do what God has called you to do, especially when you don't feel like it, 
especially when you're uncomfortable, especially when it doesn't make sense. Heaven forbid our faith should have anything to do with what we understand and what we don't understand, right? Where did, we picked that up somewhere along the way. Unless I really understand this, then I don't have faith. No, 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 no. Faith is about you choosing to show up, especially when you don't get it. But to choose to live obediently to what God is calling you to, the revelation often comes on the other side of that. And it's blessed when God gives us this new revelation and then we can live into that. But it's so much, it's so very blessed in our lives when we choose to step in to acting out the kingdom, to practicing God's kingdom and his presence, that we tend to get this revelation. And a lot of times it's because it's something that we've known our whole lives, well, like something like God is love, you know, the biggest statement in all of scripture. But we choose to step out and to serve and to act in a certain way, and we have a revelation of, oh my goodness, this is what that actually means. And these very foundational truths of our faith become invested with this power because we've experienced something else in it. So serving as worship challenges us to let go of our selfish tendencies and to explore our created purpose as givers. It challenges us to let go of our selfish tendencies. Paul uses uh, the Greek word ego. We translate that as human nature or the flesh. This, this kind of important bit of you because as you're growing up, you're kind of developing a sense of who you are and, and your place in the world. Like, your ego's pretty good for that, but it only gets you so far in your growth as a human being. And then it, all the ways you've been acting don't really seem to work, and something else needs to happen. Something needs to break for you to kind of grow into that new chapter in your life. And a lot of times that comes from us giving generously. Let's be honest. Most of the time when we were little kids, we were pretty selfish, Right? It was all about us and what we could get. And that's important because you're developing a sense of worth and self. But there comes a point in your life where just receiving isn't enough for you to grow into who you're called to be. That you actually have to paradoxically begin to give, to serve, to show up, to empty yourself, to discover who God has really called you to be. And I like to think of this as there's kind of this closed-fisted approach to life or this open-handed approach to life. When we have this closed-fisted approach to life, we're very protectionist of what we've got, our time, our energy, our resources, whatever it is, and we walk the world with our, with our fists clenched. And every relationship costs us, and every little chart in our calendar costs us, and our work costs us, our family, our friends cost us. Everything is, is there just to take from us. And so our reaction is to close up and to try to hold tightly to what we have. But unfortunately, what happens a lot of times when that's our attitude towards life is it actually becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. When you believe that everything in life will only cost you until you have nothing left, it becomes true because you've walked into life with your fists closed. If you believe that every relationship is just going to cost you and that's it, it's true. If you believe that your work is just going to, to burn you out, then that's true. If you believe that serving within the church or around the world is going to just take from you, then it becomes true because that was the expectation by which you walked into it. But if you walk the world with open hands, trusting in the generosity of God, you find a dramatically different set of expectations is there. Because here's that kind of half-truth. Everything in life does cost you. 
It does. Time, energy, resources, whatever. But when you choose to live an open-handed life, you realize that the cost is so much more worth it because the benefit on the other side of who you're becoming in that process means that you're more of a person than when you first began. That's why I think maybe even Paul talks about uh, his life as a pleasing sacrifice, right? I love that. It feels almost paradoxical. Sacrifice just feels like, oh, it just costs and it's so negative. But I think for Paul, he says, you know, I, I pour out my life like a drink offering. Like I, I give almost more than I feel like I'm capable of in my natural energy, but then I see the benefits of that, and I see what that's really doing in my life. But we have to cultivate those kind of expectations that when we show up, when we serve, when we offer our lives to one another, when we choose to be open-handed in the moments that God might require something of us, that what's on the other side of that is actually growth. Because our egos like to keep us protected and small. It's like this shell that's kind of wrapped around who you are. And the problem with that shell is if it doesn't budge, you can't grow. But if you choose to open up, you actually recognize that through giving of yourself, you're broken, but you're broken open so that you have a greater capacity to receive. I had a friend a few years ago um, who was, he and his wife were getting ready to have their second child. And we were just talking about it. And he said, can I be honest with you? I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I feel like I've only got so much love to give, and my wife gets this much, and my, and my, my first kid gets this much, and now there's going to be this other person in the house, and I don't know if I have enough love to give. He's an Enneagram 5 for any of you Enneagram nerds out there, just in case you were wondering. And, and I, that's valid. I think that's a very valid uh, you know, struggle for many of us, that we feel like, I just don't know if I have anything more to give. But what my friend discovered with the birth of his second child is that presence of the child in his life actually broke him open, the vessel that he is to receive and give love, and he became larger. He became a bigger person because, because that child was in his life. And I think that that's the paradox, that when we give more, we're actually opened up more. We step out of our selfish tendencies. We step outside of our protectionist ego. And we begin to live for something else, and it actually expands our capability of receiving love and offering love to the world. Another example, several years ago, I was leading a ministry team in Houston, Texas, and we were kind of bouncing around between all of these different uh, ministries that were specifically for the homeless folks in that city. And one of them, we were uh, kind of hosting a lunch in the park, and there was a worship service, and one of my students at the time was kind of over on the side in this playground playing with these three little kids, and I just kind of assumed that they were part of what was going on here, so I left him to his own devices. And that evening, we're, we're debriefing back at headquarters and talking about our day and what we experienced and where we saw the Lord move. And when it came back around to him to share, he just broke down in tears and he said, I had no idea that there were homeless kids in this country. I had no idea. And you know, maybe he could have gone his entire life without knowing that there are homeless children in our society. Or, or maybe he would have you know, stumbled across some statistics, some facts, but it wouldn't have broken him open because of an experience of it. And it dramatically shifted his life to realize that there was more out there for him to give than what he previously thought when he chose to stay within his own bubble. 
And I think this is the power of us being able to live that kind of open-handed life, that we can receive God's grace when we open up our lives by serving others. If we walk life with closed fists, there's, we can't receive anything. Nobody can put anything in that hand. And so when we serve out of a closed fist mentality, we can only give out of what we already have. We can only give out of our natural abilities, and we find that they so quickly dry up. But when we serve others, when we give with an open hand, we're in this position to actually receive God's hand of grace, which is placed upon us to empower us to do something that's more than just our natural human abilities, to kind of go beyond what we're familiar with and to step into this unknown place, this new place with God where we're learning how to trust Him more with our resources, with our time, with our energy, whatever it is. When you're close-fisted with your life, you can't receive. It's finite. It's small. And eventually, that the vessel, what little love it holds, it becomes stagnant, and it dries up. And so it's so important for us in our journey of following God, of learning to love Jesus, that at some point, we'd step out in faith to begin to give so that we can experience God's grace in our lives anew. And I found this question so important when I'm thinking about myself and how I serve and how I give to others. Because I think it's very easy for us to judge who we are uh, right now in our capabilities and our capacities in this very moment. And we make decisions out of that, of what we're going to say yes and no to. But it's very, it's very stationary because it's only about who I am today. But if I get this vision from God of saying, God, who am I becoming? Give me a vision of what this is going to look like down the road. Who do I look like in, I was going to say 70 years. Some of you, God willing, will have 70 more years uh, on, this, on this earth to be able to share God's love. But to ask God to give you a vision, what am I going to look like when you finished what you started? Because when I have trajectory to my life, when I know that I'm going to look more like Christ, then I can trust that what I'm doing today is actually leading me to that place. It's breaking me open. It's helping me to grow. I'm having these experiences of God that I never thought that I could have before that. And so it's about kind of living with this expectation of receiving God's grace. I came across this amazing quote a couple weeks ago by George MacLeod, who was a Scottish theologian that started up uh, the Iona Abbey uh, off the coast of Scotland. And he said, where's the turbulence? Go there, because something new is trying to be birthed. Where is the turbulence? Go there. Don't run away from it. Go there because something new is trying to be birthed. And so maybe right next to that question, who am I becoming, to ask God, God, what new thing is being birthed in me? And guess what? Birth is messy and gross, and there's a lot of fluids, and it hurts, right? I mean, you've all experienced it in one way or the other. But the other side of birth is beautiful. There's new life. There's new possibilities. There's new hope. And we have that expectation to receive God's grace when we choose to open up our lives to Him. We find that we're becoming something more than we were when we began. This other beautiful quote from Mother Teresa, I think just uh, a woman who was such a testimony of what happens when we step out and we serve uh, with intention. She said, I found the paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love. When we walk the world closed-fisted, we bump into something that hurts 
And let's be honest, for most of us, that really just means when we're uncomfortable. It's not that it's actually painful, it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient. And then we back away from it. And that's, I think, when the place where we actually choose into a counterfeit sense of self-care. Self-care that's not really life-giving, but it's really more feeding our egos. It's about us being selfish. But to kind of follow Mother Teresa into this idea that I love until I hit that threshold of pain, of uncomfortability, of inconvenience, when it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel good, but I choose to step into that by the grace of God and to continue to press forward, I realize that the pain goes away. The inconvenience goes away, and there's only more love left. And I begin to discover these new facets of God and who he is and his love for me that I never would have perceived otherwise if I just continued to back up whenever life became inconvenient for me. And I think that's the place where we actually begin to choose into positive, healthy self-care. Because it's all about what, what, how do I need to order my life and my day to become a person who loves freely who loves God freely, who loves self freely, and who loves others freely. And I think that's so important for many of you to, to even to take a, a, um, an inventory of your life in your work, in your rest, in your play, to say, am I choosing into these things because I've got a trajectory of who God's calling me to be and that my boundaries are healthy because my boundaries are leading me deeper into his presence and not putting boundaries that are keeping me from him and boundaries that are keeping me from other people. Serving is a test of do we believe what we say that we believe? Or perhaps more accurately, serving is an opportunity for us to discover is love as strong as we actually think it is? Or do we believe that love has limits to it? That love is not big enough to carry us into the next chapter of our lives? And so we wanna give you guys an opportunity tonight uh, to kind of step into practicing this, maybe to, to recommit in some way or maybe to step into something new. And next week, we're going to be talking about serving here within the family, within the church. Uh, and the week after that, we're going to be talking about serving the world, serving beyond the walls of the church. Um, but even, you know, last week when we were in Peru, every morning we'd start um, with a meditation on a psalm. And we were reading this psalm together, and there was a line in there that was something about, like, even um, the, the attendants in the night watch in the temple are praising him. And my immediate thought was, like, oh, third shift in the temple. Oh, what do those guys do, you know? Like, they must be, like, bottom-level priests or something. But as I was meditating on this, I kind of had this vision of, like, the whole thing is God's temple. You know, all of creation is God's temple. If we think that God's temple is just this building, and we do worshipy things here, and then we go back out into the regular world, we've missed the point. This right here, this is the practice for the whole big thing. And then my second revelation was if the whole, all of creation is God's temple, then all of us are attendants of worship there. And sometimes we bump into people and they don't know that yet, and that's actually our job, right? is to wake them up to the fact that they are priests in God's temple and that everything they do is an act of worship. But we also have to demonstrate that with our lives. But I, I just had this idea of like, what, what if we actually walk the world every day believing that it's all God's temple and that we're always on call as his priests, as his attendants, that everything we do in our work, in our relationships, in our spare time is an act of worship to him. How would that change who we are and what we go about doing? 
So I want to invite you uh, to pull out your phone and go to citybeautiful.ch slash praxis. Um, go ahead and do that. And I'm, I just want to talk you through this really quick um, and then give you an opportunity um, to sign up for some things. So the first thing is our community groups. We launched these at the beginning of the summer. And it was this kind of express desire uh, to create space for radical hospitality, for us to open our lives to one another, to open our homes, and just to invest in one another on that level. And it's been such a beautiful testimony of what God's doing in this community to see how those community groups have thrived, thriven, thrived. thrived. How... <laughs> how we have thrived in that environment. We still have like 80-something people that are involved in our community groups. And so there's an opportunity there for you, if you haven't joined a community group yet, to be able to sign up uh, and to step into that. Um, the second thing is to be able to serve one another within the church. And there's kind of, there's four groups that we're looking at um, as new opportunities for you to step in and to serve as an act of worship. And even like they were saying earlier, to recognize well, it's all worship. You don't have to be on the worship team to be worshiping God, but you can arrange chairs with the love of God. You can greet people at the door with the love of God. You can make coffee with the love of God, worshiping Him. And so we have our engagement team, which is all about uh, welcoming. It's the first faces at the door. It's about making coffee. We have our greenhouse, which is our ministry for kids and families. Uh, we have makers, which is all of our brainstormers and our creators coming together to make these uh, amazing worship experiences. And then we have operations, um, who are people that are actually crafting this space in here and preparing it and making sure that it's conducive for worship. And so you can sign up for one of those four groups if you want more information on how to serve there. Um, and then the third thing is that we're going to have a team building workshop on Saturday, October 6th here from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And this is for everybody in this community that serves. So all 140 of us in, and everybody that signs up today to, to begin that process of serving within the community, we're going to come here together. We're going to worship together. Um, we're going to celebrate what God has been doing within our community. And then each of our groups are going to be kind of casting vision for what's next. Where are we headed together? How can we do this thing well? How can we uh, receive the, the gift that the other people in my group are? Um, and steward that and encourage one another um, into deeper intimacy with God. And so if you're already serving or you're kind of curious about serving, I want to invite you to that. And on that, um, on that sign-up form, you'll find at the very bottom to, to let us know that you'll be there and what group you're in, and then to give us your name and your email. So um, I'm just going to give you one and a half minutes to fill that out right now. So everybody should have your phones out, especially some of y'all that serve here. And go ahead and fill that out, and then we're going to uh, pray and step into musical worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.